to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. We also we start laughing, Pastor Chuck. Oh, 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 he's laughing. So sure enough, he puts him down in the water, and Pastor Chuck just he put his arms stiff like this, and he's like, the guy's like kicking like this, and he kept him down. And he got up out of the water, he's like, like this. And Chuck said, he started laughing, he started laughing, he started laughing, and he looked at him and says, Yep, that's what I asked for. He goes, Yep, that's what you asked for. It's not the amount of time we're under the water either, so you know, it's not like it kills the man even better, you know, the old man. At the labor of love, we, we do a baptism after people accept Christ. Probably one of the biggest highlights of my year to see all those people just waiting to get baptized. It's almost like, and we had, you know, Eric's here, he helped out last year. Pastor Chad helped out last year. And Dave, has, Dave helped us out. And it's just, there's something about it. You're just in the water, just looking up at the shore and all of these people standing there, families and people crying and weeping and knowing that I, I need to get baptized. And I would talk to the different people and I'd say, you know, when did you accept Christ? And, you know, I'd, you know a lot of them were, you know, were saying, a handful of them were saying, yeah, just today when you gave the gospel, I accepted Christ and now I'm going to get baptized. I'm like, this is so awesome. They got it. They, they, they believed in Jesus Christ, became a, a Christian, and then they walked down to the water, down, 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 to the ocean this time, to, <laughs> because they're identifying themselves with the burial, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't save us, but it's another opportunity to make a, a public demonstration of your faith. When I... When I accepted Christ and I was to be baptized, I could have done it indoors. I'm from Michigan. I could have just said, wait, it's cold. I'm just going inside and let's just go in a bathtub or let's go to the pool or indoor heated pool, please. But I understood the concept of identifying with Christ publicly. And there was a beach I used to hang out with, my buddies and I. We would party and do crazy things out in this, you know, Metro Park, the beach right down the street from where I lived. And it was a party place. It was a place where, you know, everybody went. And I said, that's where I want to go. I want to go in front of everybody. I want everyone to know, as crazy as I was in the world, everyone knew who I was in the world. I want everyone to know who I am now. I'm identifying myself with Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of him. As most of you know the story, it ended up raining that day. Every station, radio station, news station said 100% chance of rain, 100% chance of rain. And I got on my knees. I started crying. I said, God, what, what happened? I thought this was our day. And one of the few times I heard God speak loud and clear, God said, I will open the clouds. And my sister came in and says, okay, I'm going to call the relatives. I'm calling, the, I'm calling everybody. Are we going to call this off? I said, no. God said he's opening up the clouds. And she looked at me. She said, you got more faith than I have. And I said, well... <laughs> And I said, I'll never forget this. I said, God can't lie. He said it. He's going to do it. And as we walked out to that water, it was still drizzling. We walked out to the water. We went to, you know, I went to be baptized. I was able to tell my testimony in front of the people that were there. It was a, the first time I ever publicly spoke. And that's when I got, I realized I want to do this all the time. I'm like, God, can I do this all the time, please? And people were weeping and crying as I was talking about how I came to Christ. 
and we turned around and we stepped into the water. The clouds parted, I kid you not, and the sun was shining right down on top of us as I went down into the water, identifying with Jesus Christ, his death and burial, and as I came up out of the water, identifying with the new life, the resurrected life of Christ Jesus. That's what saves us, not the baptism. It's what it represents, the anti-type, the, the symbol, the likeness of. Great verse that goes with this, Colossians 2.11. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made, listen to this, without what? Without hands? Is there such a thing? Circumcision without hands? Isn't circumcision the cutting away of flesh? Yes, it's spiritual. By the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of, can we say it together? Christ. In this part, the yellow part that I highlighted here, the Jewish people, this is a ritual for them. They, they look at it as, you know, this is their salvation. They'll go back, you know, are you right with God? Oh, I've been circumcised, and that's their big thing. This is their ritual, I'm circumcised. That doesn't save you. There's a circumcision that, that's spiritual. It's a circumcision of Christ that saves us. Not the, the act, not the, the cutting away of a flesh, the physical flesh, but a spiritual cutting away as Christ comes into your life and he cuts away that old life of yours. Now listen to this. So that's for the Jews, now the Gentiles, buried with him in baptism. That's what we just talked about. In which you were also, can we say it together? Raised, Raised with him through faith. And the working of God, then who raised him from the Dead. That's the baptism that saves us, having a new life in Christ. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 3, same thing. Or do you not know as many as, as, many, as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in Newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, notice the likeness of his death, the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's what saves us. Christ Jesus. As we believe in him, we receive him. We identify with his death and there's a death to our old life and there's a new life in Christ Jesus, a life of Christ. Look back with me, please. I'm gonna back into verse 21. So it says, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a good conscience before God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, amen? Isn't it nice to have a good conscience before God? He takes away the guilty conscience that comes from sin. You know, some people go crazy because of a guilty conscience. They do. You've ever met anyone like that? I've met people like that. Totally bonkers. They just go bonkers. Something happens in their life, and they just go, they, they go crazy, and you're like, what is going on? Well, they need to be forgiven. They need to go to the cross. They need to repent. They need to give their life to Christ. Why? Because God will cleanse them of that guilty conscience. He'll take away the guilt. He'll take away the shame. He'll take away all the garbage that comes with sin. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. 
No condemnation. In other words, God does not condemn us. Once we give our life to Jesus Christ, the condemnation is gone. Then you might say to me, well, you know, um, I still feel guilty about some stuff. Go to the cross. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of your sin. I believe far too many Christians are on the sidelines at church. They're not engaged. They're not in the game. And I believe part of it could be because there's repetitive sin going on in their lives and they're not, they're not turning from that sin. They're not repenting of that sin. They're not asking for forgiveness. They're not walking away from, the, from all that, that sinful lifestyle. And so there's guilt and there's shame and, they, and they, they're too guilty and they're too defeated to be used by God. And they're on the sideline. They're not doing anything. They're on the bench. When I played football, let me tell you this. I hated sitting on the bench. That's not what I went to the game for. I could have been a spectator. I could have bought tickets. and was like, give me tickets. I'll just sit. That's what I want to do. I just want to sit and watch a game. No, I said, coach, put me in. Coach, put me in. I want to play in this game. I want to be part of this game. I want to be a part of this game. And I want to see, you know, victory in this game. I want to be used. I, I, you, I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. I was a running back, a halfback, a tailback, a receiver. I'm like, whatever position, put me in. I want to win this game. And I believe too many Christians are, are looking at Christianity as a spectator sport. We're just going to watch everybody serve. We're going to watch them serve. Okay, you guys go. Hey, hey, you're doing good. Keep going. Keep going. Well, that was terrible. That was terrible. That was, well, I can't even believe you said that. It's easy to be a spectator. Sit back and complain or say, cheer people on. When they're good, they pat them on the back. When they're doing bad, you'll slam them, yell at them, tell them how terrible they're doing. But my question is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, a blood-bought saint of the living God, are we in the game? And I believe far too many people, because of repeated, repetitive sin, they're not going to the cross. They're not experiencing forgiveness. They're not being set free from sin. So what can they do? They, all they can do is they, they're, they're out of the game. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that at least they're in church, but God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use everyone that's in these seats right now. God wants to use your life. He created you for a specific purpose and a plan. There's a reason why he put you on this earth. And you might say, well, he put me on this earth to be saved. That's where it starts, to be saved. If he was finished with you when you were saved, why didn't he just take you right to heaven? Sometimes I would wish that. God, why didn't you just take me when I was saved? He says, no. There's far too many people that need to hear the gospel. There's far too many people that need to know the truth. There's far too much work to do. Paul the apostle said, I'm betwixt between the two. Having to be with Christ or to be here. But if I'm here, it's for your benefit. Don't get me wrong. This is not a condemnation. I'm not up here looking around at people saying, oh, you should be serving, you should be. No, this is an exhortation to say, let's all get on the team. Let's all do our part for the glory of God because when we step into heaven, I want to hear and I want you to hear those wonderful, beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. Come on in. I've entrusted you with a little thing there on earth. You were faithful at what I called you to do. You were faithful when I called you to do something. Now come on in. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. I don't want, and I don't want this for anyone that's here listening this, to this message. I don't want us to walk into heaven and God say, 
Oh, come on in. You just made it, son. Come on. <laughs> Woo. Gabriel, get the fire extinguishers. Hold on. <laughs> come on, son. Get in. I don't know why God has a southern voice when I talk. I don't know. I don't, I'm sorry. Condemnation's ugly, folks. Who is it that condemns? It's Christ who died. And furthermore is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Who is it that condemns? The Bible asks us. Who is it that condemns? And if you don't know, that's why it says it's Christ who died and furthermore is risen and seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. It's not Christ that's condemning us. So give the guilt and shame. Give all that garbage to Christ on the cross and repent. Turn away from these things. I had someone once ask me years ago when I, we first started this work, when the Lord first started this work, and he was serious. He was, many years ago, he was on the worship team and stuff, and he literally, he was, he asked me a question. He goes, how can you get up there every Sunday and preach knowing that you're a sinner? I said, real easy. Christ Jesus and his resurrection, and I keep turning to him. And I'm forgiven. And I have a good conscience before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Does that mean you're perfect, Pastor? No, no, far from it. But it does mean I keep turning. I keep turning to Christ. And I keep looking to him. And I keep asking for him, don't ever put me on a shelf. Keep me in this game. Keep me in this game. I want to finish well. I don't want to look to the bench. I don't want to say, take me out. I want to be used by him. And you and I can be used by him when we have a good conscience before God. We don't have to be timid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry what people think. We don't have to worry if they don't like what we say. We do our best. We pray that it's blessed. We give Jesus Christ the rest. We put it in his hands, and that's all we can do. Amen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it says. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a good conscience. Whenever I think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think of his great power. He conquered the grave. But do you know that his power is available to all of us as believers? I believe if you're doing ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, listen closely to this, because I believe this with all my heart. If you are doing ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will never burn out. How can you burn out if the powers of God are not of you? And I'm sorry, I hear it too often in the church. Oh, we're worried about them burning out, or I'm going to burn out. I'll burn out. (laughs) I've been doing this 23 years. I have not burned out. Matter of fact, the more I serve him, the more power he gives me to serve him. It's not a burnout. I mean, think of it logically. If it's really the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, how can you burn out? You can get tired, sure. You can get tired in the work, but you should never get tired of the work. And if you're getting tired of the work, there's a problem going on somewhere with you. I served with Pastor Chuck Smith for quite a few years, and let me tell you, he didn't burn out ever. Matter of fact, he was serving the Lord up to like the second or third day before he died. He was on pastor's perspective, preaching and teaching and talking to people about Jesus Christ. Why? Because it wasn't his power. He was weak, but God was strong. He had cancer. He had stage four cancer, but he was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my question to all of us, what's our excuse? 
There's been many times where I've had massive migraine headaches and, I, and before I'm supposed to come up to preach, I come up here to preach and guess what? It's like a hat lifted off me. It's like a cap. It's like my headache's just gone. I, can't, I cannot count how many times that's happened with me. There's times that you know, I'm up late or doing another service and I you know, don't get any sleep and I get just a few hours sleep and then I've got to preach the gospel or, or be here on a Sunday morning and all that stuff. And then I walk up, I'm sitting there like, okay, God, give me help, give me prayer, give me strength. I am tired, I'm tired. I, my brain is, I can't even think straight. And then I walk up and it's like God gives me his strength. And you know what it does for me? It encourages me that this is not my strength. It's the power of God's spirit working in us. And I believe it's, it's not just for Pastor Chuck because he was a special man. No, he was a sinner just like all of us. But he was called to preach the gospel, to teach the word of God. And God gave him power. And God wants to give you power. What are you called to do? This is great. Remember in John chapter four, remember when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well in Samaria? Do you know that it says that he was tired? Did you ever see that? John 4, verse 6, it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, was wearied. That means tired or exhausted. You mean Jesus Christ was tired? Yes. Physically, he was tired. From his journey, and we're going to find out he didn't even eat. So he didn't eat, and he had a long journey, had no energy. So he sat thus, what? You notice the wording? He was tired from his journey. So what did he do? He sat thus by the well. Now, when the woman at the well was there, did he say, Honey, I wish I could talk to you right now. I am so burnt out. (laughs) No, he ministered to her, told her all kinds of things about her life, even told her that he was the Messiah. And she became a believer. And not only her, but she went out to the city and the town and she told the people, come and see this one that told me all about myself. And they came out and it says many believed in him. That's not the end of the story, though. Do you remember the disciples came to him? Remember what they did when they came to him? They had food. Remember that? Because he didn't eat. They realized he's tired. He's weary. It was a long journey. He's better eat. He's going to run out of energy. And so remember that. I'll, I'll put it up here. It says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. We brought you some food. But what did he say? I have food to eat which you do not even know of. And they were confused. They were saying, therefore his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? No. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to, can we say it together? To all of us today, this is an exhortation, I believe, to say, are we about his business doing his will and are we going to finish the work that God has called us to do in the power of his Holy Spirit? Oh, pastor, I'm tired. Yeah, I get tired too sometimes. But we have food that goes way beyond physical food. When we do the will of the Father, when we're doing his work, it's a spiritual thing. It's like, I don't even need food. I don't need physical food. Because as I do the will of the Father, I experience all the strength and power I need to minister to those that he's called me to do, to minister to. You might say, well, that was... That was Jesus. That, yeah, that's Jesus. You're comparing us with Jesus and where to do that. Well, what did Paul the Apostle tell us in 2 Corinthians 13.4? you telling me Paul the Apostle talks about this? Yeah, absolutely. For though he, Jesus, was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the, can we say it together, please? Power of, for who? We also are weak in him. 
but we shall live with him by the Don't miss this, towards who? Do you know what this is saying? It's saying that, but we shall live with him, with the Lord, by the power of God towards you. Though we're weak, when we live towards you, in other words, when we're ministering to other people, when we're being used for other people, then we experience the power of God that we need when we live towards others. By the power of God towards you. Paul's saying, I have power. He's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, I have power of God. Though I'm weak, though I have infirmities, though I've been buffeted, Satan even buffeted him, and he says, I'm weak, but yet I have great power in God when I minister to you guys. Our psalm reading, Psalm 62, 11. We just read this this morning. It says, God has spoken once, twice. I've heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy for you. Render, check this out, render to each one according to his work. Mercy and power, possibly, according to the work that he's called us to. I love when Paul talks about his infirmity and how he had a thorn in the flesh. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that that it might depart from me, the infirmity. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Can we read that together, please? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will, rent, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Isn't that great? I don't think I've ever boasted in my infirmities. I don't, I'm not there. But I've experienced many times through my infirmities and through my weakness that I've noticed God works in wonderful ways. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. How many can say that? <laughs> in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake, and I'll say it one more time, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul the Apostle is saying, when I'm weak, I am strong. That's another good verse. If you can look at it later, I'm looking at my time. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Take note if you want to look at that later. I just, I'll use this one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wind down real quick. Colossians 3.23, I believe, goes great with this because it says, and whatever I do, I do heartily. It doesn't say, not hard, hardly. I do heartily. Paul says, whatever I do, I do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And the reason why I use this verse, folks, because I believe if you're doing your work towards men, you will burn out. I've been there before. You will burn out. But Paul's saying, no, no, you work heartily. You do your best for the Lord. And don't do it for man. Because if you do it for man, you're going to burn out. You're going to get tired. It's going to be in your own strength. And your own strength can only go so far. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you. Serve who? The Lord Christ. Okay, let's look at the last verse. And we're going to close with this. Back in our text, we're closing with this. Verse 22, it says, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, talking about Jesus, angels, authorities, and powers having been made subject to him. As we close, the right hand of God speaks of authority and it speaks of power. Christ Jesus is given all power and authority over heaven and earth. Principalities and powers, angels, those are all, you know, Powers and principalities are fallen angels. He's over everything. So since power belongs to God, and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, speaking of power and authority, I pray 
that we keep going to him and we keep looking for his power, for his might and his strength. And I pray that we could say, as Paul the Apostle said, for when I am weak, then I am strong by the power of God's Spirit. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.